What's up everyone? Welcome to Drummer's Perspective. My name is Ben Todd and I'm here to help broaden your scope of what's possible as a drummer. Thanks so much for checking out the video today, whether you're watching here on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, I really do appreciate you wherever you're coming in from. If you are here on YouTube though, please subscribe to the channel. That really, really does help me out. Now today, I'm really excited to bring you a conversation I had with the amazing Costa Theodosis. Now Costa has just come off the road on a huge tour with Delta Goodrum playing all through Europe and Australia. But prior to this, Costa's also played with some incredible artists like Robbie Williams, Miami Horror, the Kite String Tangle, Conrad Sewell. He's really just done so much in his career already. Now in this chat, I speak with him about his journey of starting out studying jazz drums at the Victorian College of the Arts with aspirations to be a solo drummer and clinician, to where he is now of playing with some of the biggest pop and rock touring acts in the country. I also chat with him about how he approaches balancing his family life with being a full-time touring musician, as well as some of his thoughts on what he thinks are really important traits for a drummer to have to be successful as a touring musician, aside from just being a great drummer. So please sit back and relax and enjoy my conversation with Costa Theodosis. Before we get into today's chat, I wanna offer you a free gift just by you being here. And today it's my five tips to improve how you play with backing tracks PDF guide. Now we all know that playing along with backing tracks can be super fun and enjoyable, but we can also waste so much precious practice time just jamming along and shredding to them. Now the main issue I hear time and time again with drummers who are playing with backing tracks is this real sense of disconnect between what they're playing and the track itself. It's like they're completely oblivious to all the subtleties and nuances that are going on within the music of the backing track and just in their own little world. Many of the concepts that I discuss in this guide are the exact same concepts that I utilize when I'm asked to record drum tracks for people from my home studio. Here I'm essentially sent a backing track from an artist or musician and they're asking me to record drums to their music and send it back to them with the ultimate goal of it sounding like I'm playing drums with the band of musicians that have recorded the track. So if you want to improve your overall musical experience of playing with backing tracks, as well as learn some key concepts and ideas about how to dramatically improve as a drummer by focusing on some specific things when you play with backing tracks, then please head to drummersperspective.com slash five track tips and download that free PDF guide right now. All right, Costa Theodosis, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to chat with me on the Drummer's Perspective podcast. I've been really looking forward to reconnecting with you for a long time. And uh, yeah, I guess we, it must have been like 2004 or 2005 we first met at the Ultimate Drummer's Weekend. Yeah. And uh, and kind of, uh, I remember even back then like seeing you play and being super impressed by a lot of things, but mainly like just the level of like maturity you seem to have in your playing. Like you're playing stuff that was like way beyond your uh, actual years. (laughs) And I I remember then thinking about, man, this guy is is really onto onto something very cool. So yeah, with the wonders of of social media and technology, um, you know, after that point, our careers kind of went in different directions. But now to see you uh, doing what you're doing on the level that you're doing it is super inspiring. Cause, uh, cause yeah, we kind of met pretty quickly and then didn't see each other for a long time. And then to, to see what you're doing now is it's amazing, man. So, I mean, just start off by saying huge congrats to everything you've been able to achieve so far. It's really, really cool. 
Well, thank you very much. Firstly, it's such a pleasure to be here. I love what you're doing with the podcast and it's so good to have an Australian podcast now. I'm a bit of a podcast fiend, especially drumming related. So to have oh, something cool. local really is cool for a lot of us. Uh, but thank oh, you. you. I, I really appreciate the compliments. And, you know, uh, yeah, that, that yeah. was a long time ago now. We yeah. were both back in uh, Australia's best up and coming drummer competition. Yeah. I, I think it was 2004, like you said. And yeah. A lot's happened since then. <laughs> mm, I'm man, absolutely a lot in in many ways, musically and life and everything in between. So absolutely, yeah. You just have come off a tour with Delta Goodrum, which looked yes. incredible. Um, so I guess like let's let's maybe just start there and like how did that gig specifically come about for you? Sure. Yeah. So I was working with a phenomenal singer called Conrad Sewell, and uh, he's super underrated one of the you know best australian artists in my opinion mm. and uh delta and her partner matt who's the musical director happened to come down to one of the shows so um that was the initial spark um only last year that was but mm. but before that i'd known matt the musical director for close to 15 years now back when i was in amy meredith which was a uh, band I was in, you know, all of this mm -hmm. seems so long ago, but yeah. that was back, uh, back in around 2010. I knew Matt and Conrad from those days, they were in a band called Sons of Midnight that were doing great things. And every time we'd come to Brisbane, we'd hang out with those guys. So it's a very long standing relationship, uh, which, you know, hap happens a lot in this industry. It, it, like us, you know, here we are today, yeah. 20 yeah. years later. <laughs> So it, it was quite a similar thing where I'd met, I'd met Matt, the musical director, years ago and we're good friends. But just last year, they'd come to a show and loved what I was doing with Conrad and my energy and my playing. And then they asked me to fill in on, uh, it was the AFLW grand final. Mm -hmm. It was a mimed performance at the end mm -hmm. of last year. And one thing led to another and I started working with them around March, probably officially. Mm -hmm. And that was the first tour. We just got back from Europe and we did a month in Europe uh, as a, you know, Delta mm -hmm. hadn't been to Europe for about 20 years. So mm -hmm. the, the original album, Innocent Eyes came out 20 years ago and there was a lot of buzz around that. And then for all sorts of reasons, Delta hadn't been able to make it back. So yeah, we got to Europe and then it was straight in. We had a few days uh, back in Australia to rehearse for the Innocent Eyes 20th anniversary tour. Mm. and uh put put the show together unbelievably quickly and then you know just finished just finished the australian tour a couple of days ago so wow yeah man that just it says so much about how important relationships are in this industry like you mentioned you know that you can meet someone 15 years ago like us 20 years ago and and you know i think now is the time kind of in our lives and our development where we're starting to, you know, us and our friends are starting to do things, you know, in the industry. Yeah. Um, so you never know who is going to, uh, like who is going to like um, allow you an opportunity for another gig or another tour that you, you know, met in high school or met, you know, playing in your first band out of school. So yeah, it's really absolutely. kind of an exciting time. And it's so cool. What makes me so proud is to see all the guys of our generation who are finally getting into those positions. Mm. You know, we've worked so hard and 
you look up to all your heroes over the years that have been on these gigs and, you know, just keep pushing forward, wondering if we'll ever get into that position, but being, you know, it's such a dream. And so for me to be with Delta at the moment is such a dream come true. And, you know, mm-hmm. all the, all the guys like yourself that are just doing such huge things all over the world, it's really, you know, makes me proud of all of us for not giving up. <laughs> basically gosh it, yeah and again it says so much for just like you say pushing through because as you i'm sure you know like the long practice days at, in uni or you know playing in local bands for not many people and kind of constantly questioning like is this going to lead to anything is it going to go anywhere am i on the wrong path in life you know all of that stuff like it can seem really hard to um imagine you yourself in the future doing you know, the, the kind of work that you want to be doing. But, um, yeah, like you say, it's, of course it's easier said than done, but you just got to keep going, <laughs> like keep pushing. Yeah. If you believe in it strong enough and, and you never give up. Enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you are, but I mean, you just, you're a testament to that. Not only, you know, talent wise, obviously, but, um, just persistence. Yeah. And, and keeping going. So man, I, it's, it's really cool. And I want to ask then, like going back a little bit, you started, studying jazz at VCA is that right and then kind of so that transition from uh, you know the jazz course I suppose or for for lack of a better term um and into like the pop rock kind of thing you're doing now was that kind of always a focus like to get more into that world or did you think about going down the jazz path improv thing yeah I did I when I entered uni I was really into the jazz thing and that was why I moved to Melbourne and it was a big interest of mine. But Mm. I sort of, once I got into the scene there and started going out a lot, I sort of fell into this indie scene just based on the friends actually that I met at Mm. uni. So then I started going to these um, club nights and things and I'd see these bands and really loved the bands and loved what I was seeing. So I immediately sort of fell in love with, it was at the time, so that was around 2006, this indie scene was huge in Melbourne at the time. Mm. And I just fell in love with that. And that sort of became the new path. So when I was at uni, which is advice I give to a lot of people is you really need to be out playing. A lot of young guys, students that come to me, they have this goal of going to uni and then something's going to magically happen after that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I was out playing multiple gigs a week with all sorts of different bands saying at that time, is that I believe is the time to say yes to everything. Mm. You never know what situation and scenes you're going to fall into, but nothing will magically happen. So I was out not, you know, night after night doing all sorts of gigs. I didn't think about getting paid at that mm. time. Mm. Um, and each thing did lead to another. So I'm, I may be in a, some random indie band back in the day, it was street press and you'd look at the ads in those things to find bands and things. And, the first band, very first band I was ever with, we recorded some demos with a great producer in Melbourne who then recommended me to a young, my first ever, you know, sort of major label artist. It was uh, Dash and Will, which were a mm. female, you know, young duo. And that came from just recording some demos. So one thing led to another in that scene and that band opened, uh, sorry, Amy Meredith opened for those girls. Mm. <laughs> At the time, so and then within six months, we were, you know, blowing up, and mm. uh, the album came out and did really well, and it all just stemmed from going out, playing, taking any opportunity. Mm. So the the uni thing itself, 
um, was great as a way, as something for me to do while I was meeting people. I'm sure if I moved more into the jazz world, it would have, mm. those relationships would have uh, came to more, but um, it tended to be that all the things I was doing outside of uni <laughs> mm-hmm. that really sure. led to, to those things that I did later on. Yeah. And that's, uh, I guess, yeah, like the uni uh, schedule specifically when you're in, it can seem like really intense and there's a lot of work to do, a lot of things to, 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 um, to tick off, but it can be dangerous if you are so in that headspace of just study to, like you say, get, you know, spat at the end of a course and then go like, what now? <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah. it, it, it's a lot to be said for the relationships you build at uni but yeah, it, it's that next level of um, of kind of um, drive and, and work to get out there while you're still studying to kind of set yourself up, you know, it, like yeah. the, 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 everything you do at uni is obviously trying to make you better as a musician, but the, all the other stuff of actually having a career and where you're going to go and use those skills is like just as important, if not more important in some situations, I guess. Yeah. Equally important, but mm. you have to be obsessed. It's yeah. really <laughs> as simple as that. It was easy for me because I just wanted to play sure. I, every opportunity I would take it, you know, and the uni stuff was great as well. We, mainly the ensembles having the big band mm. and having uh, the Latin ensemble and all these different, and then the small groups that you could, you know, I couldn't compose, but I would do arrangements for and Mm-mm. all sorts of things. And, you know, it was really, it was a great experience, but what my career ended up being was the things that I was doing in those years to develop uh, relationships and, yeah. and the, uni, the uni relationships as well. It's three great years to, to build relationships and get experience, I think. So, yeah, yeah, sure. Mm. So, um, like Delta Goodrum tour, it looked incredible, and you've done some some amazing things uh, prior to that as well. Like, who have been some of your the favorite, the most favorite people you've worked with, and and what and why? Yeah, so I was in Amy Meredith for the early part of my career, and got to achieve a lot of my dreams in about a two year period, basically. Yeah, yeah, and then that sort of uh, folded at at a certain point, I suppose. And then I was a bit lost. So there's been a lot of highs mm. in my career and there's been a lot of lows. It's music, you know, it's such a tough career path, particularly if you pursue playing with artists, original bands, which I always preferred. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly bands is a, is a tough, you know, mm. career uh, trajectory. But but after Amy Meredith, I was a little bit lost. And then I, I moved to LA and mm. I just sort of turned up. In uh, 2014, I knew one good friend who was living there at the time, and that was enough. And I went out every night and just met people at, once again. You know, I was just trying to meet musicians mm. and was lucky enough to find myself after two and a half months in East West Studio 2 recording an album with Robbie Williams. Wow. So that was a massive highlight and uh, getting to do that, obviously, and you know, then three years in LA, I, it was great. I was playing with a band called Miami Horror, mm-hmm. which are an Australian electronic uh, sort of dance act. Mm-hmm. And we toured South America just nonstop for the three years that I was in LA. So wow. just seemingly on a weekly basis, we were in <laughs> Colombia, Chile, yeah. Argentina, Brazil, uh, then up to Mexico, et cetera, et cetera. So 
did that for a long time and absolutely loved that and then moved home uh to Australia and once again was without a gig <laughs> and started working with a great Brisbane electronic artist once again. So I've spent a lot of my career in more in that electronic realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the Kite String Tangle, mm-hmm. who was a phenomenal artist and was lucky enough to play with him for a few years, mm. which sort of, you know, then moving on to Conrad is pretty recently, which was has been amazing. So mm. And currently, yeah, between Delta, Conrad Sewell, and Mashton Kutcher, which is a DJ DJ thing. I love mm. playing with DJs as well, mm. you know. So that's, yeah, there's been, a, there's been a lot, but it's hard to. <laughs> that's a huge, a huge scope of, of highlights for sure. And uh, like playing-wise, I guess, um, like maybe – if we can talk about some like playing specific things, like how do you approach playing with like a, yeah, a DJ um, or like an electronic artist where I imagine a lot of stuff is like pretty on the grid and synced up to a gig like Delta, which is, you know, pop rock kind of, you know, organic vibes for lack of a better term for some of her material. For do sure. you change your mindset in that respect? Like are you focusing on different things like, really you know lining yourself up uh with it with the tracks or you know not so much in a band setting yeah absolutely so it's all completely case by case basis Mm. i have my general energy that i like to bring and then Mm -hmm. i'm basically listening for whatever is asked of me so Mm. dynamics is such an important thing some people would just love you hitting as hard as you possibly can. And that's what they're looking for. And that's, I love that. Mm. But then I play with a lot of people who want a very, you know, I might be playing brushes, hot rods and, and so I can be two completely different drummers (laughs) from two, from one gig to the next. So that's what I'm looking for. And I'm asking questions. Can I, do you want me to play louder? Yeah. Just Mm. smash them. It's like, great. (laughs) (laughs) Do you, or, you know, and I, and having a selection of equipment to do all those various jobs. So I sort of got most of the work I think I got because of my, uh, I play really well with tracks and Mm. for instance, playing with a DJ, you're lining up every 16th note. So Mm. the, the drums are on the track. It's, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just a, you know, regular mix of the song. So I've got to double that up Mm. and pretty much, if I can have it with no flaming and just exactly on top of it. So that's one end of the spectrum, Mm. uh, which I love doing. And I've done a lot of that, but then with Conrad Sewell, for instance, he was putting together a new band completely live, no tracks, no click, no nothing. And he just made his last album in LA with the top, my heroes, for instance, Victor and Drizzo is on drums. Mm. Who's my absolute hero seems to be about the busiest, session drummer in LA right now Mm. and uh, absolutely love his playing. So that was the polar opposite where I've been playing all these gigs to click triggers, a lot of electronics, et cetera. And then going to trying to, I wanted to copy Victor's feel every feel, every ghost note as closely Mm. as I could. And that was a very, you know, dynamic thing. And Delta's sort of in the middle Mm. because there's, there's a lot of, um, for instance, the Innocent Eyes tour we just did, there was a lot of loops and like in 2003 when the album came out, it was sort of that sound where there'd be the intro would have a drum loop and then the 
big live drums yeah, would sure. come in for the yeah. verse or chorus or whatever. Yeah. So so it's actually a bit of both where I've been for the for the Innocent Eyes tour, I've been really locked in with the tracks and then mm-hmm. you know it has its looser moments as well. But uh yeah, it's all it's all relevant. So that's the thing. You need mm. you need to be able to play <laughs> loose with no click. And it come it it comes down to a few key things, I believe, that make any drummer highly employable. And the first one I would say is timing. Mm. So we're, you know, as drummers, we're always worrying about all our flashy chops and shredding and stuff, (laughs) but every single artist I've talked to or, or whatever the most issues you can have on stage is based on timing alone. And it's it's not as simple as being able to just to play to a metronome in your house or whatever because you're mm-hmm. so influenced by the timing of all the other players on stage, mm-hmm. especially where there's no click and mm-hmm. a lot of guys are feeling it behind. One guy's feeling, you know, <laughs> way ahead and it's yeah. it's such a, you have to be so confident yeah. with where you're feeling the time and going, well, this, I think it's here, so <laughs> let's yeah. go, you know, yeah. let's go with sure. that. And holding the band together, but also being fluid enough to, you know, if everyone's fighting you, you might have to go with them a little bit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And that man, there's so much in there. But incredible advice. Uh, but I guess, say like on on the tour you were just on, how much um, kind of. Um, analysis and feedback are you getting like once the once the shows start going like you guys you know discussing how the gig went last night oh we should tidy this up this wasn't so great i really like this like do you have that kind of dialogue or is it mostly just like once you're in you go and and it's it's pretty set no absolutely there's a lot of that particular Mm. from delta because she's just Mm. so creative Mm. she's constantly thinking about how she can improve the show so if something doesn't quite feel right we'll definitely go over that at soundcheck the next day and there's always adjustments and editing to the live show even Mm. not on that tour but in previous tours you know right throughout the tour it can be making those adjustments but because we were playing an album front to back and it was a bit more clear what our goal was it mm. you know there was a little there was less of that but um mm-hmm. definitely yeah yeah, yeah even from a drumming perspective matt uh has a great ear who's the musical director matt copley and he will ask for specific things or if he wants me to be a, be a bit more washy on a ride symbol mm. or mm. very specific little things that he's just hearing from the drums and i you know that's great because i always mm. want to give them exactly what they're looking for so yeah Definitely. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, okay. So you have done a lot of di- like played in a lot of different, um, situations like recording arenas, festivals, uh, TV. Uh, what are some of the most important skills you think younger drummers should be thinking about or and any drummer really should be thinking about if they want to get into this kind of work, like besides just being a great drummer? Like totally. there's certain like, you know, mental kind of uh, things that you need to have in check or is there certain, um, you know, uh, physical uh, like workout health things that you think are really important for a long tour? Like I'd love to, you know, some uh, what your thoughts are on, on that stuff. Like aside from drumming, what are some important things to make you successful and, and happy in that kind of work? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's taken me a while to sort of get to that point myself. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, but the health and fitness, I would say is that's sort of the biggest thing that I've, you know, only in the last couple of years turned to where I used to find myself getting a bit down on tour, but the number one thing that changed that was we get to the gym all the time with, with Delta's band in particular, most days, in fact, or even throughout Europe, we would either go, if we'd go at the hotel and if that wasn't good enough, we'd get a day pass to a gym, you know, somewhere else we'd go find it. We'd eat well. Mm. That's such a big thing. You know, a lot of young bands, it's, it's expensive. That's the problem. When you're in a young band touring, you're just eating cheap, yeah. you know, rubbish all the mm. time, which I did. I was <laughs> very guilty of that. Sure. But getting to the point where you can really get those things together, it makes it so much easier. So, you know, even this morning before doing this, I went mm. to the gym so I could have my thoughts together a little more and it there's so much that comes from it even just the relationships within the band because we that's an extra thing we're doing together you know Mm. becoming closer and working hard and getting those endorphins going and we're all Mm. sort of so you know we're starting the day from a really happy place as opposed to waking up tired not you know not feeling so good so that's been a big one but the touring experience in general really has been good for me as sort of to learn to not react to things there's Mm. so much that can go wrong on it any given day from you know flight delays and missed connections especially internationally to Mm. lost baggage and all these things are happening all the you know quite consistently where your equipment doesn't turn up and you've got to make do with whatever's there and there's no point in even having a bad attitude about it, let alone complaining. It's as simple as, okay, yep. Uh, do, is there some backline symbols? Yeah. Is there, you know, sure. can we can we find an SPD and yeah. load it up? Like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, all those things, you know. There's you. I don't think I don't know of anyone on any of the gigs that I've been on that really complains about those things. Everyone just gets on with the job, and that and that's why they're there. There's no room for Mm. having a bad attitude or complaining, Mm. but yeah, the, the diet is such a big one. Alcohol Mm. is such a big one as well. It's nice to Mm. be in a environment where there's not a lot of drinking going on, you know, Mm -hmm. especially being when you're in your own band that can Mm -hmm. sort of get out of control a little more. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, such a strange industry where you turn up to the show and there's (laughs) all these bottles of alcohol just waiting for you it's like alrighty then yeah totally (laughs) you know so at at this level obviously that isn't the case but in you know bands going up and all all the bands uh, I'm doing a lot of festivals and things in you know previous years and that's sort of the vibe so Mm. staying away from that is sort of yeah possibly the number one thing for you know i mean i guess that that speaks so much to your like experience and and maturity to have gone through that and get to a point where you've realized like to give your best you know performance wise every day like this is what it takes and um i think you know it's a little bit like you can you can try and pass that advice on to you know, younger people, but until they're ready to hear it or ready, Mm. or I've gone through it a little bit too, 
it sometimes can be difficult to to comprehend but it's so true <laughs> it's so true like everything you're saying is like yes i i agree 100 percent because it's just you don't realize how much better you can play and feel yeah. and uh enjoy the whole experience if you just have some of that stuff more in check but you know again like coming up when you're a young musician developing you're just in that world of just trying to get better technically at what you do so all that yeah. other stuff is just like uh, it's hard to to kind of have space for that mentally to to learn about it but but uh but yeah now that you're in the position you're in doing the gigs that you are and it's kind of expected that you just you know performance has got to be like a hundred percent every day so whatever you have Absolutely. to do to get to that point you you do it but yeah man incredible advice 100 percent. like every show needs to be perfect it's mm. i try and you know it's a pretty crazy thing that every touch of the instrument for an hour and a half straight has to be perfect and yeah. whatever your intention for that note was there's no you know i'll beat myself up for a week if I <laughs> make a mistake, yeah, sure. which, you know, you shouldn't do. I obviously in the moment move on as fast as possible, but still you want to be consistent. You don't want anyone to be looking, turning around at you and being like, what's mm. that? So all, all those things really yeah. get you to that level of consistency as well. Sure. Yeah. I guess along those lines of, of, you know, aiming for as close to perfection as you can get in a situation where you've got like, you know, it, it's a high pressure thing. Say it's like you were saying before, AF, uh, AFL Women's Grand Final performance or like a TV slot or mm. an awards show or something like that where it's like you're on, everything's like in the moment, like a lot of eyes, a lot of pressure. Um, is there anything different that you do in those kind of situations to like prepare yourself for, for that exact moment where it's like it's on? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. I'm breathing mm. a lot like deep breaths mm. it's so it's so hard that stuff's really hard mm. and i have nightmares about it going i've i've been fine on all those gigs so far somehow miraculously yeah. you just um <laughs> up your game and nail it and nothing goes wrong but i'm just waiting for the one that <laughs> i just completely botch but yeah. so but yeah it's just it's focus i think over time same as uh, getting to that level of consistency with the gigs. Mm. I, I think that's what it is where over time you just build up the amount of focus. So when you're younger, I was in a band with a guy who would just sort of lose track of where he was in the, in the song. He'd be daydreaming during the song and suddenly mm. not know where he was. And then uh, a producer who we, I was working with a lot when I was younger, Barry Palmer from Hunters and Collectors, Mm. He he was telling us at the rehearsal, he goes, you know, when I'm playing with hunters and collectors, I'm 100% focused on what I'm doing for the entire show. I'm not mm. thinking about what I'm having for dinner or anything like that. Mm. He's thinking about what he's playing the entire time. Mm. And so that's what it comes down to for me. I'm 100% focused on every note that I'm playing. And just really in the moment, I don't let myself think about anything else. I just want to nail every single note. Mm. And, and that's, I, you know, every show is the same. So whether it's a really high pressure thing or, an, or another show, I put that same level on myself where on, in the live show, I want it to be that good, but it's an hour and a half. So now I've only got to do it for three or four minutes, but it's, it's the same. I treat it the same. 
but sure. you know, just breathing for the the anxiety of it. But aside from that, <laughs> just it's it's just focusing. Focus, yeah, right. Yeah. It's, and do you think that there's anything you can do? Uh, like just thinking about like any advice for younger guys, like or anyone really anything you can do to get better at that, that um, like aside from just doing it a lot, like aside from just doing a bunch of gigs and tours and, and uh, being in high pressure events, is there anything? Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Breathing exercises, would you say is like something that people should work on? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Even, yeah. I mean, the big thing that has only recently come to a lot of our attention, thanks to guys like Dave, Dave Elich is the not holding tension in, weird parts of your body, which we all do. And even the face is the one I didn't really realize until as much because, you you know, your teacher might talk to about the arms and legs and hands and things, but Mm -hmm. they don't really talk about how much we then end up holding in our face to counteract what we've just done with our bodies. So with Conrad, we had Michael Iverson, the great drummer, come in as as a musical director and he was helping us sort of achieve the the sound that we wanted. And he brought that to my attention. He's like, you're holding so much tension in your face. And I'm like, mm. whoa, <laughs> I had, you know, I had my, my feet are good. My hands are good. Yeah, yeah. But then you're just like, ah, just so that that's really cool. But um, what I would say about developing that level of consistency is treating every single time you play the instrument as a performance. So Mm -hmm. like I was saying with the live show, if I do a wedding, I think to myself, you know, we might be playing a Beyonce song or something and I would go, well, this has to be good enough for Beyonce. Mm. Like it doesn't matter that it's just a wedding and maybe, you know, the band's not sounding that good. I'm, Mm -hmm. I would love to do a gig of that level. Therefore Mm -hmm. I have to hold myself to that standard, no matter what the gig is. I'm, I'm not just like, you know, messing around or giving a, you know, 50% performance. So I think even if you're just playing at home, I, I wouldn't, you know, I'm, you can jam for fun along to music and stuff, but I would treat it as if you were doing the gig. That's just a headspace thing that I personally have where it's like, mm-hmm. well, I want to play with this band. So I got to make sure I'm capable of doing that. Mm, you know? Sure. I, yeah. I think that it, it that raises an interesting uh, question I wanted to ask you about as well. Like when you are off of the road, like you come off of this incredible tour all over the world, are you doing uh, local gigs? Are you doing other gigs or are you just like, are you kind of, is, is there too much banked up tour wise and to commit to anything else? Yeah, no, I, I play locally. I have a bunch of just what, you know, usually with close friends or cool. the I, t- I say no to a lot of things sure, <laughs> because, <laughs> because there's a family aspect yeah. as well. You know, I've got three yeah. kids mm. and a wife. So drums might be everything to me, but it's not to the children and my sure, wife. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Man, 100%. I, I, I get that for sure. And that leads me actually on, onto something else. Like, yeah, you have... A family, like, it, which is inc- incredible. Like, huge congratulations to to you for that too. Um, and that balance thing is something that I think any musician who has a family, you know, goes through ups and downs of trying to figure out what that is. And I don't really think there's a formula, but I'd love to hear your 
thoughts on that? Like, do you, do, do you have certain rules in place with your family? Like you're only away for a certain amount of time or, mm. you know, play at home or you're always there for certain things or like, do you have anything like that? Or is it just like everything is, is case by case? A, a bit of both. Well, everything mm. firstly is a conversation. I mm. can't just say yes to a gig. You know, that's not my decision to make. It's a, it's mine and my wife's decision mm-hmm. to make. So mm-hmm. there's a conversation there, whether it's something that I, you know, really would like to do or, you know, really should do or whatever and what, what that means. But uh, I don't really play at home. That is one, sure. you know, I was teaching a lot up until recently I was teaching, but then that became every afternoon. So it's like, well, that's not really a great time for the family yeah, yeah. Uh, for me to be doing that. So that's something I let go of recently mm-hmm. was the teaching, but yeah, everything is, is case by case. And I don't know if, you know, if I come back from a tour, there was, there was a lot of local things this month that I sort of, <laughs> it was like, I, I think I'll spend some time with the family mm-hmm. before I get busy again. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, drumming as a full-time income it it's kind of hard so we've because of that moved into sort of some other areas of areas of income and uh you know working on passive investments and mm-hmm. and things so yeah it depends what your financial goals are what your family's financial goals are if if your partner's yeah. happy to have you out gigging all the time because the money <laughs> you know the money's great in Australia we make great money to play yeah. local gigs whether it's you know weddings even pubs you know and functions pay well these days so yeah uh, yeah yeah. absolutely i mean there's a a couple of things that i want to get into uh you mentioned about uh playing in pubs and i saw that you and your wife bought a pub a few years ago is that right yeah that's incredible like (laughs) huge man what what was kind of the the catalyst for that was it something like you wanted to do like to step away from drums or is it something you wanted to do to and and still keep playing and like how what was that kind of the yeah approach for that for sure I did I did want to step away from drums a little so mm-hmm. I'd just been so flat out with this career and then I, I was looking to tour less so I was playing a lot locally which then had its own challenges so yeah just looking at things outside of music uh, that I could do, which isn't a lot of things because <laughs> I've played drums my whole life and, sure. you know, all through high school, just practicing every morning, every night, you know, you don't pick up some maybe normal skills that other people have, but <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, we got into real estate a little bit and, you know, renovating some houses and stuff. So basically the pub came up as a renovation project. It was an old dilapid- dilapidated building, um, no licenses or anything attached to it. And we just had a vision and a goal to turn it into a live music venue and sort of, we did that. Uh, we bought it in October, 2019 and set about renovating it for the next six months, opened right on schedule in early March, 2020. Uh, wow. And then, uh, yeah. And then COVID hit about Two, well, we were open for one week with no restrictions. The second week, um, there were some restrictions and then we were closed uh, for three oh, months after that. Wow. But it was good because we had a, a young daughter at the time. So, you know, I appreciated then having three months just at home with her. Mm. 
that was the first one. And then, uh, yeah, reopened and, and we did some amazing things there. We hosted uh, a heap of original artists and local, you know, really created a nice original local scene. Mm. And then I had a house band every Thursday night, uh, oh, Fen- wow. Fenny and the Mets we're, we're called and with some really great local musicians and we played every Thursday. So yeah, all sorts, you know. Yeah. Do you still own it or have you? you yeah, we've it? still got it. So oh, yeah. Cool. Mm. Man, that's incredible. What? Because I think like a, something I love to kind of talk about and promote with this whole channel and it is the fact that like you you can do so much with like a drumming skill set and a drumming mindset. You know, you don't mm. have to be like to have a successful career. You don't just have to think about like using, you know, what you know as a drummer just to play drums. Like, you know, all the experience of of the dedication and passion that you develop to get better at drums, you can then apply to, yeah, like owning a pub and like, <laughs> I'm going to make this the best pub that I can. Like you focus on like, I want to make this the best, you know, parroted lick I can pull out, you know, it's that same kind of drive. And I think um, that's super important, especially nowadays, like to just to diversify your your skill set a little bit than, than just, you know, just playing drums. And it sounds like you doing that now, you know, with, with, with real estate and passive income and owning, you know, a venue, which is, it's huge. Yeah. Well, mm. th- everything's just so expensive now it's becoming impossible. And the stress of always, you know, you can't be your best as a musician if you're just constantly stressed out about making, you know, a hundred percent of your living from it. And you also can't make, the best decisions with what gigs you want to do, you know, because I've done it myself where a fantastic tour with a dream artist has come up, but I've had, you know, and last minute, a lot of this stuff happens last minute. So it's like, yeah, some things happen to the drummer, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. this stuff, you know, this stuff is real. It happens so often. Mm. It's like, can you do the tour? It starts this Friday, but I'll have, you know, a couple of months and it'll be a long tour. I'll have a couple of months of, you know, three covers gigs a week booked in and those guys have been good to me and provided me a living for you know a, mm. an amount of time so i i don't you know i can't do that tour because yeah. i want to make sure that i've got these gigs coming in consistently that have been really good to me sure so all those things whereas now i can do the tour it's like whatever comes up it's like yep let's go let's do it yeah. i'm lucky i'm lucky that sort of the we've had three kids in a very short amount of time, but they're sort of out of the baby stage now. So I've got a little more freedom. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's all those things. So that's amazing, man. I, that, that leads me to something else I wanted to talk about with you. And that's like, how off, how far in advance do you say yes to a gig? You know, like I've, I've spoken to some guys who, you know, they, they say tours are often booked, you know, sometimes like a year in advance or something like that. Uh, do you have anything in place for yourself where you, you try and leave yourself some space based on anything in particular or are you, mm. you know, just, just looking at it like, okay, you know, six months time that should be safe for, you know, X, Y, Z, you know? Yeah, that's a really great point. So for me, I would be happy to book a tour far in advance because that's my priority as opposed mm. to I get a bit weird about, booking weddings and local gigs really far in advance. I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I really don't, you know, uh, 
just as a positive person, I'm like, I don't want to think that that's the gig I'm going to be doing in 12 months from now. Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah, I would, yeah. I'd rather be thinking I'll be in, you know, some exotic location with Delta at that yeah, yeah. time of my life. So yeah. yeah, I try not to book the local things. It's sort of organize my touring schedule and what I'm doing with that. And then, you know, even if something's near that, like a local thing, I'm, I'll sort of, you know, say no to that one just in case the schedule changes. It's always awful having to pull out on something, you know, especially well, just any situation. It just feels awful. But, you know, totally. we have to, in the end, you have to look after yourself. You can't say no to a great tour just because you've booked in a couple of little local yeah. things as much as, you know, an old school person might say well that's the commitment you've made <laughs> yeah 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 but you Gosh, know there's yeah there's so many other factors that time. Yeah, yeah exactly so yeah stick sure. to and you know the thing is the type of gigs you do and accept tend to be the type of gigs that you get so if yes. you want to tour with successful and great artists you kind of need to do that in order to get more of that. Like I said, I was touring with mm. Conrad Sewell and Delta and Matt saw me there and thought I'd be a great fit for their uh, band. Mm. Whereas the, t the periods in my life, I've done a lot of weddings. I've gotten asked to do a lot more weddings. The, mm. <laughs> you know, if it's pub gigs, suddenly you're the pub Sadly. guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely the company you keep in that situation. And it brings up an interesting thought of... Um, of like curating your image and curating your mm. future, you know, because like you say, if people, if you want to be touring with big name artists, but people see you playing, yeah, like an afternoon, you know, acoustic gig in a bar, like nothing against that, but like, it's just, they don't see you in their minds as being cape, like being able to do that. You yeah. Know, big thing. So Absolutely. you might be saying no to things like saying no to money and saying no to a gig just to kind of, you know, make yourself, uh, you know, present yourself a certain way, I suppose, and, and chase what you really, really want to do. Yeah. So you need to prioritize, but mm. even, you know, if, if you want to work with artists, it's one thing to say, well, work with artists in order to do that. Yeah. It's not that simple, yeah. but so I would, I suggest to all the, you know, my young students that you need to find an artist on whatever level. So an original singer, even, you know, no matter how small the gig is, that is still much more likely to step-by-step step lead you up to that huge gig as opposed to a trap I think a lot of people get caught up in is making really good money from a from a young age where they might mm. fall into the wedding scene at, you know, 18 straight out of school. And yeah. once you're used to making that sort of money for a gig, it's very difficult then to do the ones that are more likely to lead you to really great things in your career. So it's, that's a tricky one because we all need to make a living. <laughs> mm -hmm. But for me personally, it hasn't been a wedding gig or, or yeah. a pub gig that's led me to the really cool gigs that I get to do. Yeah, sure. I mean, that makes, that makes a lot of sense for sure. But you're right. Like it's, it's hard to get that experience, you know, without experience sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, I guess, um, uh, yeah, another thing I wanted to talk to you about is the the level of stuff you're doing now. Like, you know, we all started kind of at the same 
place of, of just practicing a lot and going through school and, and all that kind of stuff. Is there anything that you're like that you're using every day in your drumming toolkit, I suppose, that you really worked on a lot when you were younger that you're very grateful for now? Like, did you consciously, like you play with like obviously great energy and, uh, and kind of, you bring a lot to, to the performance. And I, I would imagine bring a lot out of the other musicians you're playing with. Mm. Was that something that you like worked on when you were younger or were you just more like chops driven and you're using that more like what, what, yeah. What's something that you're, you're grateful to have worked on in the past that you're utilizing every day? Mm, That's a really interesting question. Well, for me, not as much because in school I was um, independence man and Mm. multi-pedal orchestrations. Mm. Grant, Grant Collins was my teacher. And uh, so that was my obsession. I wanted to be a solo drummer. You know, I wanted to do either be a clinician or do solo drumming concerts even at uni most of my uh performances were solo (laughs) so that was a heavy heavy focus for me and then it was through being in bands I I quickly developed that and really wanting to you know be involved with the other band members on stage so not as not at that age but from when I was you know out of school say out of uni even I spent a lot of time tuning drums because maybe mm. I maybe I lived in a place where I couldn't play but I love pulling apart my drums and putting them back together so something mm. that's actually been really useful is my tuning abilities and being able to pull tones out of drums so I love recording I do a lot of recording mm-hmm. and I love getting the specific sound you know having a collection of instruments for instance so when I need You know, I don't have a specific sound as a drummer. I'm always going for, I'm trying to find that perfect tone for the track, cymbals, Mm. snares, you know, the Mm. kit, everything. So pulling apart drums and taking them from their lowest tuning all the way up to their highest and everything in between and getting really familiar with the way, with the way the drum works and the way it sounds and thinking of a drum tone or trying to match the sound of a record mm. just acoustically, you know, without EQ and without all that other stuff, just getting it from the source. And that's mm. been so beneficial to me, uh, especially doing sessions and things where I, mm. I come in with the kit sounding like I would want the record to sound. And then mm. every track it's like, all right, th- I reckon this is the, this is the snare sound for this one. and working with the engineer and the producer on that so for me i've found that as important as the playing even Mm. where you know a lot of a lot of drummers might be a a phenomenal drummer but then they come in and the drum the sound of the drums isn't quite matching up with what the artist or the musical director had in mind so Mm -hmm. it's having that toolbox of of tuning tuning Mm. and tones and uh you know, even in the studio, there might be a strange ring in the drum and knowing immediately how to fix that in seconds, as opposed to like, Ooh, I don't, you know, it every, yeah. So for me, the playing stuff developed just by taking every playing opportunity, playing with Mm -hmm. everyone and listening to the advice from, from everybody around me, as opposed, you know, cause when I was younger, <laughs> I'd worked on purely technical, crazy things, yeah. multi-pedal orchestrations and yeah, 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 yeah. all the polyrhythmic stuff and the 
Gary Chafee stuff. And Mm -hmm. that was really my focus. And I, people, you know, it's possible that that has, you know, my playing to a metronome, doing all the, you know, all the polyrhythmic stuff has um, developed my understanding of rhythm and time and given me a, you know, really good understanding of that, but Mm. I can't be, I'm not sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> if that's I think the it's, case. It's one of, yeah, it's one of those things that, like, yeah, in hindsight, it's hard to figure out sometimes, yeah. like, what, what what were the things that you, that have led you to the point you're at now? Because it, it's, you know, some of all the parts really coming together to to make you who you are now. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that's just, that is really interesting to go from that. It's kind of like the opposite of what you're doing now, you know, like yeah. solo, like, you know, uh, staff to, to, like, bands and, and playing with, with DJs and things like that. It's, but... I'm sure super necessary skill set development to get to that point. So, but mm. it brings out um, uh, when you mentioned about like tuning, you know, and getting the sound out of a drum, uh, uh, that makes a lot of sense because as you know, like if the drums sound a certain way, they'll make you play a certain way to some degree as well. Absolutely. So if you, especially in a session, if you're trying to get, uh, you know, evoke a certain emotion or, you know, replicate a certain drummer's feel, having the right sounding gear can make like all the difference to get that out of you. So it's this, yeah, super necessary skill set. Um, and do you have like leading off from that, do you have a, a, a space for all of the gear and are you like practicing in that space at all? Like semi-regularly still, or is it just kind of when a tour comes up, you're, you're in there? Yeah, it's, I have a space, but it's more so, you know, it's hard with the kids for them. Mm to allow me to <laughs> be in there for any length of time. Sure. Um, so I, if I'm playing, it's mainly with, with the kids, you know, they all yeah. have fun, you know, playing the drums cool. and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, all of it's stored, stored here. And I, yeah. I, I do, it's mainly prep for tours, yeah. you know, cause for me, I, I like to get a bunch of reps under the belt and really run, yeah. run the songs beforehand. And, you know, I, preparation, you know, is a, is a big thing. Like if you can turn up, it just puts people's mind at ease. Like if they're not really familiar with your playing and you come into the first rehearsal, there may only be one rehearsal, but if you're coming in and just nailing it, like hopefully better than the last guy that yeah. was on the gig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know, everyone's like, Oh yes, this is going to be great. Yeah. I don't have to stress out. Cause you know, artists get very nervous and about bringing new people into the band, not sure if it's going to be the right dynamic, the playing, you know, there's so many factors. And one small thing, even small mistakes, I see them like get worried, like, mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. is this guy going to be able to do it? Yeah. yeah and it was like sure. nothing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. You know, so for, for that, I, I really like to come in and just nail it. So I definitely, you know, I, yeah, I'd love to get back into practicing for, for the fun of it, you know, just from doing this bunch of touring, it was such a long run with Delta. Mm. My hands have really come back actually, which I'm, mm. you know, I, I wasn't doing any practice, but just from the playing, I've really gotten yeah. some facility back. So I'm excited to sort of launch off of that. And, you know, it's just such an endless pursuit. <laughs> oh yeah. A hundred percent. But it's, you know, to, like I said in the beginning to see like your progression, even through the, <laughs> the, the eyes of social media and, and like how you've developed over the years is, is so inspiring. So again, huge congrats, man. I guess well, I'll, 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 I want to try and wrap it up with maybe like you mentioned before about, you know, getting advice from 
from everywhere from from all different people and and sources and like what what's been some of the best advice that someone's given you you know drum related or life related that you think is you know is resonating true for you you know today wow i wish i had something prepared for this no (laughs) that's a good one i know it's it's a big question but uh but but yeah i think like yeah there's 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 certain things that i think you know stick with with people for a while and for for whatever reason and they change you know for me they change on a day-to-day basis you know things i'll remember but um but yeah, yeah i'd love to hear like is there anything that's that's like that you kind of go back to thinking about mm. well the big the big one is what i said earlier about uh, barry palmer saying to be focused yeah. when you're on stage and that mm-hmm. i do think about that every time i play sure because i realize i'm every single note needs some form of attention <laughs> you can't because as soon as you're not you that you one note on the hi-hat I may not be thinking about and it's a bit you know then my it suddenly sounds a little inconsistent so I think it it sounds simple but there's so much more to it you know I, I would doubt that every young musician when they get on stage is a hundred percent focused on every note the dynamic of every hit you know I don't just mm. You don't just hit a crash cymbal. I'm mm. thinking about the exact tone that I would like to get out of that yeah. crash, yeah. whether, you know, and having, you know, them. I have a, a more slightly aggressive sounding crash and a more mm. smoother, buttery one. And it's like, yeah. well, this cymbal hit, I'm going to go yeah. for that one and yeah. hit it at this velocity. So that's, that is a, that's a big one for me. Yeah. You know, I mean, I that's, there's so much in that. Like you say, it sounds simple, but like, you can spend a lifetime working on your focus. I think you know, every yeah, yeah, channeled with it. Yeah, for sure, man. So this has been really uh, incredible, <laughs> honestly, to like reconnect and like hear your incredible experience and 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 wisdom and everything you've been through already. And um, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people who get a lot out of this this chat. So thank you again. Where can people? find you and, and follow you if they want to check out what you're doing yeah instagram's the best i'm not the cool. most active on there but i yeah it's a it's costa underscore theodosis on instagram costa with a k <laughs> great <laughs> but okay. yeah no cool, thank you so oh. much for having me i really appreciate it oh of course man it's been yeah. it's been great to have an uh, a, a chance to reconnect so i hope we can do it again uh, in person one day yeah absolutely <laughs> Cool, man. Thank you again, Costa. No worries at all. Have a great day. Cheers, you too.